Uh, hello. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm here for the uh, the roast battle. Oh yeah, come on in. Uh, yeah, just go over there at the table and grab yourself a side of side of beef, and uh, we can get started. I I'm. 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 I'm sorry. I did you. Did you just say come in and grab a, a side of beef for the the roast battle? Oh yeah, it's a roast beef battle. I. I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm uh I'm a comedian I I do I do jokes um uh and you're you're telling me you're telling me this event here is a literal throwing of of roast beef at each other is is that what you're telling me right now Oh yeah it's a it's, it's our annual roast beef battle we just grab a side of roast beef and we just start chucking it at each other it's a great time um look i i don't know if this is uh, look sir i am a i'm a stand-up comedian and uh, i was invited here to when i was invited here i was told that i would be getting 25 dollars to do a roast battle is and this is this is not this is not what i <clears throat> this is not what i envisioned when that was described to me um so i i just I'm a little confused and and out of sorts here, sir. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. So you you don't want the twenty five dollars? You say I get the the side of beef from that table over there. Yep, that's the one. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Thank you, and uh, welcome to Ruben Uncut. I have a guest here today. Um, please, good sir, introduce yourself to the people. Uh, hi, this is Paul. That's my introduction. I'm sorry, cut, sound was a little, sound cut a little there. I said hello, Chris Paul here. Okay. That's my introduction. All right, excellent, good sir, excellent. All right, so I'll tell you. Um, like, I don't think we've ever had, like, a real conversation. I feel like we're people who know each other more in passing. Uh, but i got to be honest, I wanted to have you on my show because I really enjoy your Facebook comments. <laughs> well, Like, I just, I'll be scrolling through Facebook, and I'll see some of your posts, and I'll be like, I feel like, I feel like this guy gets it. <laughs> I just wake up, and it's just venomous all day. <laughs> Yeah, I wake up and uh, look at the news, and then I'm angry within the first ten minutes of the day, and that sets the tone. Yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> um, but you do. Uh, you are also part of the comedy scene here in uh, here in lovely Ohio. Um, what part of the comedy scene do you normally reside in? Um, I, I what parts are there? Uh, Stand up. What? Do you, okay. mean, you mean uh, stand up, sketch, mm -hmm. improv, etc.? Yeah, basically. Uh, mainly just stand up. Okay. You're in a, uh, and, you're in a sketch and, group, though, right? Do I have that right? I'm sketch group adjacent. 
Oh, Skype group of um, okay. my the the ad hom uh, ad hominem attack show uh, the roast battles are uh, two of of the four of us are also in the sad boys, uh, and I was an original sad boy uh, for like one show, um, and then once in a while I just drop in the group and I say, hey, it would be funny if you guys did this, and they're like, get out of here, you're not in the group anymore. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll still put stickers up everywhere. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> you have friends, and that's what's important. Yeah, they're uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm like the Batman of the uh, Sad Boys. If you remember the Justice League Unlimited, he would just kind of. He wasn't an official Justice Leaguer. He just, you know, would show up uh, <laughs> to do Batman shit. The thing is that. Batman Batman has like very strict personal boundaries, so he's always got like that extra layer of sovereignty compared to the other superheroes. Exactly. He's like, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna be held accountable to any of you. Yeah, yeah. It means I it just means that I can be mean to other comics without affecting the sad boys. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. They Fair still enough. get to work with people that hate my guts. <laughs> That's intense. I'm, I'm a people person. I don't know how to deal. I don't know how to deal with large scale negativity sometimes. Uh, I am too. It's it's never my fault. <laughs> that's that's what we have to get out of the way. <laughs> I, I I like to think that I like to think that the people who don't like me, it's it's not my fault. But I, I I'm sure that I, I'm sure at least a couple of them are my fault. I'm sure it happens. Yeah. No. But, uh, but yeah. So how long have you been doing stand-up? A little over 10 years. 10 years this year. Nice. As of February. Very cool. Yeah. I uh, was in Columbus for several years and then came back. I'm from Cleveland, so I've been here more than I was there. So Okay. Uh, what's your, what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Columbus? Oh really? Uh, <laughs> I uh, uh, there used to be a lot of good people there. Okay. How about we just go with that and? Uh... <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm only I've only been to Columbus a, a couple times. Um, uh, in terms of comedy. Uh, uh you know I uh so there's uh like Tom Poot um and some of the folks that run Whiskey Bear are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more just the people I started out with have all kind of they're spread out all over the country now. So, oh yeah, I don't have any um loyalties to the scene anymore for various reasons. I understand. Yeah, no, I only uh, I only did some improv there one time. In uh, I went to I did a show at the Nest Theater, which is which is pretty cool. I like that they're trying to bring sort of like dedicated improv thing there in some I don't know the venue it's uh it's an improv club in uh, in Columbus I've only been there once but it it was pretty cool they seem like nice people yeah I Ohio uh, OSU has um I think they have like a student improv uh group and stuff like that oh I'm sure have you ever done improv no Okay. It's a fun time. You should try it sometime. 
But, uh, so, yeah. so, um, so I feel, so like I, like I said, I like, I like a lot of your, uh, your commentary and posts. Um, so do you ever feel like, uh, it's harder to do comedy nowadays? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think everyone's, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, the, I, I would say the only thing that makes it harder is the longer you do it, the more you realize that you need to learn. So like up to four or five years, you think you're hot shit. And then you like start to see like, oh shit, there's like a whole other skill set that I haven't even touched on yet. Uh, and I think that's, you know, mm-hmm. what a lot of, uh, a lot of us don't realize until, you get to a certain point and then you're like, oh, fuck, man, there's so much more. And it just gets more and more daunting. I, I theorize it takes about three years to become at least decent at something. I think it, it takes uh, a good three years to fully understand what you need to even like to get good at. Um, you know, to... to to get your head around that and then yeah keep going I, yeah, that forward makes, that makes sense yeah uh you know i find that I, I feel like there's a lot of it feels like weird hysteria like 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 it just like people say oh we're all too sensitive now or we're all or you can't say anything now it's like but I feel like people have been saying that forever. Yeah, it's a solid 15 to 20 years. Uh, yeah, like even in the, what was it, like the early 2000s, that was uh, the once great Howard Stearns became a crying mess on the radio because of what, you know, I can't say anything anymore. Uh, yeah, that was even way back then. It's just, I think all that's happened is uh, like there's, left-wing evangelicals now and they're just as easy to ignore as the right wing ones. and uh you know, those are the people that think cancel culture is real uh but just in the way that they think they're capable of canceling anyone for you know more than like a gig or two like even the most heinous shit uh kevin spacey's got a new movie coming <laughs> yeah <laughs> Louis C.K. just won a Grammy. Yeah. Uh, and, and even people that sort of like comics that sort of stay quote unquote disgraced, they find a home with Anthony Cumia and like that whole right wing compound media edgelord kind of thing. Like there's still an audience even like for cancel P. It just depends on who's mad at you. Oh, yeah. And then the people that are mad at them will start buying your shit. Totally. Totally, it's a, it's it's practically a grift. It really is. I mean, if you're if you have like if you're even barely right of center, the mm-hmm. best possible thing that could happen to you is to get canceled. Yeah, because then people will know who you are, and other, and people who like edgy stuff will like be drawn to you. Oh yeah, there's a, a whole group of those dudes like just waiting to you know worship. At the altar of uh, 
you know, some guy that didn't back down from saying the N word once. Yeah, no, like, like I, like the. Like sometimes I just like wonder like what are you fighting for here exactly like like I like I personally people have told me that I'm pretty edgy and I'll be honest I don't really think about it very much but at the same but like it's sometimes when I hear people complain about about things it's like it just sounds like you want to say the n word on stage man <laughs> like what are we Yeah I think it, when when somebody's making an effort to be edgy it shows it comes off as cringe and then when you tell them that they think you do oh you just can't handle it i'm too offensive well you know you're too stupid you're not clever enough to do what you think you're doing oh dude that is yeah i do stand up and and improv and uh mostly improv but i i try to i try to get out there and do stand up uh but i've done some like really heinous open mics <laughs> Like that's yeah, you know, and you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that like some newer people show up to an open mic and they uh, they say something off the cuff. I don't think that people need to react to that as much as they do either. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I, I think that ninety percent of those dudes just go away if you ignore them. Yeah, uh, I kind of, for some of them. Sometimes okay, so I went to this. This open mic that was at like uh, like like a country western bar out oh, yeah. nowhere, and like I went to it and it it was a total shit show. Like it was a show that was put together as like a series of <laughs> favors between people, um, and like and like it. There were these people who would get up and they do their sets, and like there's like this. Like, they just would say these, like, incredibly edgy jokes, like, and it'd just be like, but this is a joke I've heard, like, a million times. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, all just, like, Michael Jackson raping kids and stuff. It's like, or Catholic priests raping kids and stuff. It's just like, but the punchline's just rape. Hey. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a real yeah. punchline. Yeah, and I don't think that's impossible. I just don't think most... I, I, I don't know. Like, to me, the best-case scenario is like, oh, awesome, you're that dude with a funny rape joke. And like, like, that's the best-case scenario. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, that is the best-case scenario. It's like... And, like, there's just, like... It seems like especially, like, newer people have, like, this impulse that they need to go blue or need to go edgy they i i there's a lot a lot of it and it is uh it, in my opinion part of the art but to like to see what you can get away with to see oh. like what you can uh you know make get people to laugh at but if you're just doing it by shitting on like that that's not mm -hmm. that doesn't prove anything either Oh no, totally. Okay, so the way I would describe it is like when you go up on stage, there's absolutely you want to there's a part of you as a comedian that wants to or know or wants to test the boundaries of the audience. 100%. But like the two th sides to that the way I see it is that 
first of all, you don't... You should have your own boundaries. <laughs> like, <laughs> when I get up on stage and I'm telling jokes, yeah, I want to get... I'll be edgy and I'll, like, push boundaries or, or whatnot, but, like, I have my own boundaries of things I don't want to be associated with. Right. Like, what, why don't you have those? <laughs> and Yeah. And, like, I mean, I like, I'm all for being ironic, but, like, at a certain point, being ironic is still you doing the thing. Uh... Yeah, I also, I I mean, and then that's not even just with, like, edginess. That's, like, if you write a lot of jokes where the point of view is, like, you're a dumb guy. Like, you know, where the joke is, like, da-da-da-da, duh, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like do you want to be a dumb guy up there all the time? Like, is like, it, it all depends on what it is, you know, you're, you're willing to do, but I don't think that's just edginess. You know, like I said, that's playing dumb guy. That's playing creepy guy, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think your, your jokes should consistently be whatever that is. Like mm-hmm. if you're trying to build a persona and a character, if you're the dumb guy, be the dumb guy all the time, or write the joke where somebody else is the dumb guy. Yeah, no, I, maybe that, maybe that's my problem is that I don't write myself as a dumb guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there, you know, it's like I would say, like Brian Hussein is in his jokes, he's the dumb guy. Yeah, but he man, like he does it like. From a smart guy perspective, <laughs> I can hear that. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, the other thing is that, like, be like doing edgy stuff is like playing with fire. Like, sometimes that's gonna burn you, and like, if in the thing is that as as a comedian, that's you don't have like you have to accept the fact that it's gonna burn you sometimes because that's the only way you're gonna be learn how to be good at it. Yeah, I think it also, it comes off fake. If you're not the kind of person that, like, if you're not going to run into a Catholic priest and call them a kid fucker, that shows on stage when you call them a kid fucker. I, uh, no, yeah, that's true. If you, like, just meet yourself at your level, whatever edginess that is, is usually fine. Like... You have to have a certain level of comfort with a topic to, like, make it authentically on stage. Like, if you ever... Have you ever seen someone try to do, like... Do, like, a comedy monologue or something about, like, race stuff? And they're clearly not comfortable about it? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, And if you if you do that in a, a primarily black room, they'll eat you a lot, too. yeah Yeah, like like i've seen like i've seen that before and it's like ooh, oh god i think it you know and and it depends like it all depends on how you build the set too what do you establish before you say something awful like you make you gotta make yourself likable enough to say that Mm -hmm. so you know you can't just write an edgy race joke and then go right into it the second you walk up you know absolutely you gotta mention all your black friends then say the racist joke 
so like like that is a all three of them by name <laughs> <laughs> no i my i don't know i can't i don't know like sometimes i do have some great stories about what about uh about my one black friend that we like to that i like to uh like to tell but uh a lot of them involve us doing drugs so i can never use his real name so mm. i just because he has specifically told me he's like you can't use my real name it's like okay that's fair. and and making up names for black people in a joke is the worst 90 percent <laughs> of the time somebody spits out jamal for no good reason <laughs> no yeah i i used i used tyrone at one point and after they <laughs> yes, said the girl i was uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, I don't think you should use Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not writing an R&B song, think of a different name. <laughs> and, and so like, I was like, okay, fine. In the future, I will use a, I will use a stereotypically white name. Yeah, just say Lewis. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, Lu- Lewis is associated uh, with all races. So that works. <laughs> Oh, that was the thing I was going to say. It's like, I feel like the the rule is, like, if people laugh, it worked. Like... Yeah. To, like, mainly... To, as long as they're laughing with... Like, yeah. They're just, yeah, they're laughing that you're live down. That's not good. I... <laughs> I once was in a... I was I was leading an improv rehearsal one time, and one of the and one of the true and it it was uh it was when Me Too was happening, and um, one of the troop members threw out a a Me Too joke, and like there was just such a long epic silence afterwards, uh, that I laughed at the silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was... Yeah, that's why I say, yeah, if, if they're laughing with you, because I've definitely just been in the back uh, tackling at, at the front while they bomb. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's funny to me. Like, <laughs> because, like, I feel like that really is the thing, like, um, because there's edgy stuff everywhere. Like, I, I've been watching, I've been catching up on Family Guy, a show that I have extremely mixed feelings about, but, like, they just say whatever the fuck they want all the time. Yeah, I love it. I like Family Guy a lot. Uh, Always Sunny does the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like, and I think this was like years ago when when people have complained that like South Park gets away with shit that stand up. You couldn't get away with in a stand up special on Comedy Central. Uh, and I think that's, there's a, um, you know, when, when it's just one person up there saying things, they're owning it. You're writing characters. Um, you know, Charlie and, and Frank can be as awful as the, you know, as, as needed to make the joke. But when you're just going up there like, hey, I'm Chris, here's what I think, and it's not that great, <laughs> uh, then it's, you know, it's a different situation. That's true. Absolutely. Like, that is sort of the difference between, like, stand-up and, like, story or narrative-based comedy. 
like uh like sketches or or written shows and whatnot i think there you, you know you can also like you can, easily, you can tell go up and tell a funny story about a uh, a racial misunderstanding if you're clearly like the people watching you are are like it's an innocent misunderstanding do you seem like an innocent misunderstanding person or do you you know look like a raving racist no that's true that's true i so in my uh in my day job i teach i teach theater to um to people with disabilities and uh and uh, we had I had this one student, and um, me and another teacher were having a conversation one time, and it came up that both of us um, had identified him as being um, like from a different part of the world because he's uh, because he was adopted, and uh, I was like, oh, well, we should never ask about this. <laughs> um, but I fa- recently found out that I was the one who was. Closer in, in what they thought. I'm like, okay, I was more, <laughs> I was more accurate to the correct part of the world. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of that too. It's, uh, you know, like ignorance is a loaded word, but it, you know, if I, I don't know, it's never bothered to me to be like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that is, and, and you know, if that uh, means I'm racist in that moment, then like, okay. But I don't think that makes it a general mm-hmm. part of your personality. I mean, I feel like I feel like like part of growing and becoming a better person in a diverse society is going to involve some uncomfortable. Um, racial misunderstandings or like questionable behavior at a certain Just, point. Yeah, cultural like uh, I misunderstanding. We're a melting pot here. Um, absolutely. Even if, you know, most of us would like that pot to be just full of a, a big boiling cauldron of Pat's blue ribbon. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> old school Americana. Yeah, no. Like, it's Not even so- most of us, really. I hope it's not most of us. We're just gerrymandered into submission. I I gotta be honest. Like that's the that's the stuff that really scares me. Yeah. Uh yeah. Man, I <laughs> uh you're gonna tap a whole other vein up. Uh, I don't think paranoia that I have, but like I think we're fucked after November. I I really hope that um, I really hope the Republicans have overplayed their hand on this. I uh, I have a weird feeling that there's going to be um, uh, troops of, of three percenters, uh, like little January 6th, all across the swing states. Jesus. I think uh, when you, <laughs> if you're if you're looking at like how. Like the world Trump comes from is uh, all about hostile takeovers, and, and you know that's just getting that little fifty-one percent of the board, so you get all the power and decisions, and 
you only have to focus on swing states here. He's moved to Florida, which is one. Ohio has been making big moves towards uh, like Republican takeover to uh, to be a solid red. Um, I think that uh, all those little lawsuits that they were, they, all those were in red or uh, swing states and shit like that. Yeah, no, it's it's freaking me out. What's go- like, and like I, this legislation yeah. stuff they're doing is not subtle. No, no, yeah, no. They're uh, everything is designed to keep us reeling too. And it's specifically set up to support witch hunting. Like that's what's fucked up. There's no, there's no coincidence that there was a a, a leak on Roe v. Wade going into summer uh, of, of a, a big campaign, you know, midterm elections. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it, you can forget everything else. That's the only thing we're voting on in November is it, it's a, uh, just about abortion. Everything else is, is moot. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, which is, the culture war that's going on again, like in the schools and stuff. It's, yeah, it's insane. It's in, and it starts at like M and M's are making people gay or whatever. To uh, Disney's making people gay, and now they're making them gay in school, and it, like it's just a fucking weird. It's like we didn't uh, punch Alex Jones in the face enough when he said it was frauds, and now they think everything is trying to make their kids gay. And, like, it's such... Like, I got into an argument with with this crazy dude on Facebook the other day, uh, and he... He, 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 just, he kept, like, trying to tell me, feed me this narrative that, like, oh, they're... They're they're grooming our kids. And it's like, oh my god. Like I wonder I, if a guy were to talk to me again, I'd be like, Do you even have kids? Like the things I you- feel like anybody that says that too, like they could that means they could be tricked into being gay. <laughs> That's fair. Like if you think that Disney or if something can influence your kids to be gay, I have I think I could influence you to blow me. <laughs> I think with enough time. <laughs> I mean, you're like, not, that. that is the implication. You're not convinced that this is set in stone, so what's up, sir? <laughs> what? I just... And, like, he kept, he kept, like, throwing these things at me, and I kept being like, can you show me a link? Can you tell me where I can look this up? And he would just tell me to do my own research, which is just like, why, you know, are, we having, why are we having this conversation if you won't substantiate your claims? It's the craziest thing because that shit is all like it's it's devil's advocate type shit where like the left liberals were challenging them for so long with Trump and everything like where's the proof can you prove this claim he made but now they don't they just say shit and regurgitate what we said to them when they were you know just spreading misinformation and, and it, it yeah it's very uh the gaslight is is blazing. It is. It is wild. And like at the same, they're doing all this stuff in Florida at the same time that they're legalizing child marriage in Tennessee. And it's like, <laughs> what? 
This is so mind-boggling. Like, clearly, they don't pay attention to, like, any media outside their main source of media. Well, and you would think that, like, I know what, like, I'm 41 years old. I know what I grew up watching and reading and stuff like that. And, like, all those lessons of, like, it's awful to judge uh, pregnant teens. Like, it causes fucking heartache and suicide and, and, you know, all the different things. Like, examples of that are all over culture for the last 40 years. And they haven't taken any of it in. Mm-hmm. But like like with comic books and the movies and stuff, and now they just every time there's like a, a new character that's not a white dude, they're like, "This is woke garbage." You're just yeah. like, it's it's so no man. Like, things exist for other people too. Mm-hmm. It's maddening. <laughs> I had um, it I... it breaks my brain to to try to understand how someone can grow up reading. Spider-Man or some shit and and subscribe to this stuff and yeah mm-hmm. and like punk scenes like like the misfits are trumpers what <laughs> what, the fuck? what yeah uh well I know one of them because uh, he was he was on a segment on Colbert years ago uh he was a Bush supporter at the time uh I don't remember if it was Graves or, or Danzig but uh I believe Danzig's more of a libertarian and Graves is a, a Trump like conservative. Ah that's so or, disappointing. You know, the new conservative that are like atheists, but they just kind of pretend, you know, <laughs> they support all the religious shit because it was always about control anyway, so Yeah. Yeah, no. I read I read an interesting article a while ago. It was about the uh, how like like uh, like the atheist like the hardcore atheist community was like connected to the alt right pipeline, and it's oh it's just it's yeah um, yeah because of the Jordan Peterson type thing where like mm-hmm. uh, well how come uh, you call us racist when we bash Muslim religions and. I don't know. I don't like any of those religions, but they never went on a crusade against all of the religions. They were very specific in which one they hated the most. So yeah, and and it always ends up being you know one that brown people uh, primarily dig. No, that's true. That's true. That's that's a, like like I didn't. Like, I have, I have friends who are, I have a lot of friends who are atheists, and that's cool. And I just, like, but, like, a lot of them love Rich, uh, like, uh, Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. And I just can't love Christopher Hitchens. Because when I first became aware of Christopher Hitchens was when he was coming on TV, or, or for wherever I saw interviews with him, talking about, like, how the war on terror is good. <laughs> and it's like I just that's no that was my entry point I can't I can't be with this guy <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah they're never uh as critical of uh like white European Christians as they are uh brown Muslims um I think they're all dumb I don't like I, I religion is uh 
really the source of a lot of the bullshit going on here. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, uh, the thing is, is the in thing is, every like, part of the world. The thing is, though, is that I don't, I don't think we can. I think there is something inherent about religion, and I don't necessarily mean that religion is correct or or true or shows us like the face of society. But like, there's some inherent. If people don't get into religion, they'll find something else to make their religion. It's kind of what I mean. Like, yeah, but you hope that that's like collecting pots or something. Like something that where they're not making laws for everyone else. <laughs> no, that's true. That's not tr- that's true. But like, I don't know. Sometimes like I'm a giant nerd. So like I spend a lot of time inside like fandom forums and stuff just like creeping and and uh, and commenting on things and like the way I, people I, fight reminds me of religion yeah absolutely uh the winchester brothers sub uh message board <laughs> fanfic page is equally a religion to some of those folks uh, but I again, they're not trying to make laws that like everyone has to get a um, a pentagram tattoo to keep humans out. That's fair. So, God bless them <laughs> if they want to write stories about the Winchester brothers boning. Go what, off to your corner of the internet and, and do that all day. What's scary is how like there's like you'll suddenly like find like you were saying people who like always call out any type of, like, minority in a role in any movies. Like, there's a weird, like, right-wing side to, like, every fandom. There's a, uh... There, yeah, the comics gate, um... Oh, yeah. Which was, like, kind of an offshoot of Gamergate, which is, like, it all goes back. It's, like, the same group of people online and YouTubers, and they make all these videos about you know, why Kevin Smith's version of E-Man is for pussies. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. why it's woke, because She-Ra had a bigger part in it. Yeah, it, uh, but those guys get millions of hits on, uh, on YouTube. It's true. But I think, you know, we also forget there's 370 million people in this country, and, you know, some right-wing YouTuber getting 2 million subscribers is a very small part of a world that's true that's very true so it's hard to guess how much uh sway they really have with people oh uh, yeah. former uh dc con dc and marvel comics artist ethan van skyver has a lot to do with this he's mm-hmm He's gone off and uh, created his own line of comics starring a, a frog, which is basically, basically Pepe the Frog, Cyber Frog, is this big book right now. And those dudes love it. Of course. Oh, uh, my God. That, that reminds me of something. The other day, the other day I, was, uh, I was online, and I found out that a comic book writer I used to – I grew up reading – um, has created a QAnon comic book series online. <laughs> and I was like, no! Uh, who is it? Uh, Chuck Dixon. Okay, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, no, he, when I was a kid, he was, he wrote all the Batman comics. 
Yeah, a lot of the Robin solo, Tim Drake solo stuff. Yeah, no, he wrote a hundred issues of of Tim Drake's Robin, and he and uh, he was writing detective comics for a while, and then he also wrote uh, Nightwing, and he created Bane, well, co-created Bane. And yeah. It's like, oh man, this guy. That's right. He did all the uh, the Night's End and, and mm-hmm. uh, Batman's uh, yeah. backbreaking, and then his return and all that. It's just like, oh man, broke my heart a little bit. I was like, I knew he was conservative, but I always hoped he was a sensible conservative. <laughs> I think uh, there's a, a couple of them. I think um, um, George Perez maybe just passed, but uh, yeah. I think he was more of a, a conservative guy. Really? I'm not positive. I might be mixing him up with another legend. Uh, but yeah, I, I think so. There's a cutoff, you know, like I, old dudes like that, you, mm-hmm. that just didn't keep up with the party switch. I think in some fair. Oh, which to be fair though, like a lot, some, some comic book artists have always been like kind of super progressive. Uh, although then you also have people like, Frank Miller, who, like, took, like, a hard turn the other way at a certain point. You're like, oh, Jesus. At 9-11, you can, uh, yeah. you can read that sequel to The Dark Knight, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, and see, like... A Dark Knight uh, Strikes Again, I think. The Dark Knight Strikes Again, yeah. He was writing it as, like, dirt, you know, when 9-11 happened, and it just takes a real, like, it just spins out of control halfway through the story. Yeah, no, like... Yeah, no, I read that, and like I, I read the first two chapters, and I was like, you know what, this isn't as good as the original, but you know, it's not, it's not too bad. And then I read the final chapter, and I was like, wow, what? <laughs> it felt like there was a book missing, like between chapter two and three. I was like, what is? This just went all over the place. I feel like Reagan was like the last conservative that like pop culture had a cons- like consensus, like. Every everyone hated him. Uh, and then, so popular amongst the mainstream. I don't know what happened after that. The uh, yeah, I suspect that Jeff Johns is a secret conservative. You think so? Well, he's still friends of Ethan Van Shriver. Uh, yeah. You know, it's tough when you um, like I have some uh, a couple of friends that are uh conservative uh that i just knew before trump was a thing like before it got so out of hand and i just kind of like wow dude i we're still friends but jesus fuck i i have a libertarian friend who i'm who like i want to get back in touch with more but like there's this part of me that is afraid that I'm accidentally going to like pull some layer away and find a level of racism I won't be able to tolerate. <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. he's... Like, I don't... I've never heard him out loud say a racist thing, but, like, sometimes just, like, I look back on things and I'm like, weird vibes, man. Weird vibes. Yeah, you know, I... It's weird, man. It's a weird thing. My dad was one of the most racist people ever but like i've also seen him like hand food to homeless black people like 
one on one, most of these people are uh, uh, not as bad as like the things that they think or say. I like I don't know. It's a weird. There's a cognitive dissonance at work there. That, oh, totally. I I don't think people. I don't think people necessarily always think concepts all the way through. Like, I had a conversation with a person who was against getting the COVID vaccine. And, like... And, like, the thing is, is that, like... Any sort of, like, anti-vaxxing argument essentially almost always comes down to... Okay, but what you're advocating for is people die. Yeah. Because they'll say things like natural herd immunity. And it'd be like, okay, but the way natural herd immunity works... Right, that means that all the people that are sensitive to this die off. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's pretty much what's happened. It's mostly elderly people or, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Uh, just because we have the tools to know better um, doesn't, you know, hasn't changed anything. We're still working with, uh, you know, Cro-Magnum brains or whatever the one after that was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's a real weird time. I think just evolution doesn't happen all at once. And uh, I think, you know, the dumber half of this country is evidence of that. Yeah. Absolutely. I like. I also have a theory that nine eleven like is to, like everyone over a certain age is just it's a mass like PTSD kind of thing. Like we just don't know what the fuck to do as a group of people anymore. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> I actually have a theory that that might play into why movies like uh, Batman versus Superman are so divisive. because like a lot so like the subtext of that movie is definitely about 9-11 like it which is unfortunate because every movie since 9-11 has had some subtext of 9-11 that's true that's true although like i mean when you look at action movies post 9-11 like they have to blow up entire cities to impress people that's true. That's true. Okay, so what's your what's the Batman v Superman thing? Uh, I'm sorry, what? What was your what is your Batman v Superman thing? What is the Oh, where do I stand on it? Yeah, what's the theory? I, I so old oh, on in terms of 9/11. Okay. Yeah. Um all right, so just I should preface this a little bit with just saying like uh, uh I'm a <laughs> I'm a really big fan of Zack Snyder's Justice League and, like, his DC work. Um, I enjoy it quite a bit. I would prefer a uh, a more um, uh, classic DC mm-hmm. uh, shared universe at some point. Uh, yeah. Before before we start doing, like, big epic Elseworlds, uh, I would have liked that. But I do, uh, I have enjoyed his... Yeah, what he tried to do. Yeah, and 
He's he's pretty good at pivoting after I discovered everything that went on with like how much studio interference there was with all the DC movies. Uh but um so the 9/11 thing. Like so so that so that line where bat so the, a big thing that people have trouble with that movie, I think. I can't speak for anyone. I just theorize is that um Batman is technically the bad guy. Like Batman, the whole point of the movie is He's that Batman, the George W. Bush. Batman is driven by his trauma, and that trauma has allowed himself to dehumanize Superman, and and allowed him to think it justifies his war on Superman. In fact, the uh, the line uh, the line where where Batman is saying like, if there is even a one percent chance he is our enemy, we have to do everything we can to stop him. Yeah. Apparently, that's based on a quote from Dick Cheney. Yeah. Uh, so the whole idea is is that I think there's a scene in the movie Vice where he uh, where he says it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so the whole idea is that Batman has become, in a way, Islamophobic to Superman and no longer sees him as human. <coughs> Excuse me. And so essentially associates the crimes of Superman with the crimes of Zod and thereby wages a war against Superman because he is afraid of him and does not understand him. Um, and then, of course, the, uh, in the moments before he triumphs and murders Superman, he is brought back down to Earth and realizes that his fear does not justify him becoming in an outright murderer. Um, because while Batman does kill quite a few people in that movie... Um, they're all sort of, they're all sort of like collateral damage. Yeah, they're all sort of in the moment choices that were made, like in that sort of like, if I don't do this, I might die and other people might die type of thing. It's but, also it's the collateral damage thing. I think is huge. Uh, oh yeah, to play it playing into the same theory because that that is uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Affleck, Batman as America. Yeah. Kicking ass. <laughs> People die, big deal. Torture. Uh, you know, branded them and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. There was a, the, there's a deleted scene where he's like pointing at a pile of dudes laying on each other naked. In, uh... <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> with uh, black bags over their heads. <laughs> I don't remember that in the in the ultimate cut. <laughs> I mean, it is you know it's four and a half hours long. It, well, the ultimate cut is three hours, sir. No, the oh right, yeah, yeah. We're have you seen have you BBS. seen the ultimate have you seen the uh, the ultimate cut of BVS? It does make more sense. Yeah, uh, it it's always weird. They cut they they cut connective tissue between scenes. I don't know. I think uh, all that aside, Zack Snyder needs a really good writer to, to partner with. That would be cool, yeah. 
I like I like Zack Snyder's work personally. Um, I actually like. I don't know. It seems like Warner Brothers has a real thing with him, though. I think it's that he's he's the, the metalhead kid in high school that's like that means well and like desperately wants to create something deeper than he's capable of. I I would say like I don't know like uh, I get that I get that like absolutely. Um, I do I do think there's a good amount of depth in uh in his DC movies though. Um Man of Steel had uh was written by uh Jonathan Nolan and David Goyer who made The Dark Knight. Um people don't that movie is also divisive, although I don't I don't understand why that one actually. I don't know. I like It's not I my favorite. I I enjoy it for what it is. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a Batman movie. I think it's uh it's it's an okay Joker movie. It's an amazing John McClane movie. Wait, which movie are you talking about right now? The Dark Knight. Oh, The Dark Knight. Oh, okay. No, I like yeah. The Dark Knight. Yeah, no, it it is a great Joker movie. Um, and every every great Joker movie is at least a little bit a great Batman movie because. Any great Joker movie is about the dynamic between Joker and Batman. Yeah. Uh, like, even, well, I, the, even the Jokers can't not touch on. Yeah. What I like about the Joker movie is that everybody was like, we're tired of seeing Batman's origin. And then Todd Phillips was like, yeah, but what about two hour? <laughs> what about a two hour lead into it? <laughs> a different perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, so like I mean, they can't even have like a Joker movie without shooting that kid's parents. <laughs> <laughs> Although the thing I enjoy about I do enjoy the Joker movie. Um, the, the the thing I enjoyed about it most when I was watching it is just the way sort of like there's always a few, there's always a step further into the movie where you're like oh but now he's the Joker and then like just he's gradually becomes more and more Joker as it goes on. Yeah. And I, I like that, but I also like that the movie uh, seems to imply that um, it, everything in it could be a lie. Could be uh, in his his uh, fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a good chunk of the movie where he's walking around with, the, with that neighbor lady and stuff, <laughs> and you don't know yet that it's in his head. Yeah. And uh and like the and when he's telling it and when he he laughs to the woman at the end there's no like that could, it could just be like he just wrote a really long form joke in his head. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, you wouldn't get it." Um someone online pointed out that like the clock and time uh, between that psychiatrist and the one in the earlier in the movie is apparently the same or something like that. Uh, I don't know. There's apparently some other clues, and I was thinking it like maybe the reason it resembles other movies is because he is just constructing a lie from like pop culture in the back of his head, which I think is an interesting idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, the same way that uh, in, in Usual Suspects, it's all like he's using shit that's in the room and, and making up the story. Yeah. I don't know. I I did enjoy it, though. I think it's fairly well done. Although, it's take on mental health, probably problematic in areas. Yeah, and stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's... <laughs> he does... Whew. If uh, if you could get on a late night talk show just by bombing once, <laughs> I think that sets up a bad expectation. That would be a bad precedent, yeah. And you know the same thing. People were hesitant about when it came out, like just the whole the uh, misunderstood mm-hmm. uh, man that just uh, enough already. The yeah, I remember that there was a hysteria that it would somehow cause incel violence. Yeah, the thing that's is, gonna happen. that's going to happen. Yeah, the thing is, is that you almost you can't you almost can't worry about that kind of thing when you're making stuff because the incels and the crazies will just find whatever messages they want in art, anyways. I think it's uh, it's the it's like the left uh, cultural version of when conservatives say, well, if we tax them, then they're just going to charge us more. It's like, we're, you're talking about, like, we're hostages in both <laughs> of these situations. Like, we can't enjoy a movie because some psycho might do something, or we can't raise minimum wage because some psycho is, you know, going to flip the fucking card table over uh, it's all the same, yeah, kind of mindset from both sides. The infl- oh my god, the inflation arguments are ridiculous. Like, like so many things affect inflation, and yet the the one the only one we make any effort to stop from happening is raising minimum wage. Yeah, that's that's what's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I don't, it, it's all, it's the whole, I mean, the Ukraine thing, like sanctions, that's the biggest part of it, isn't it? That, and, and we're getting gouged because these oil companies missed mm-hmm. out on a bunch of money two years ago when we were all sitting still. That's, I mean, yeah, I mean, gouging is definitely part of it. Like, no one at the top ever wants to eat the difference. We're yeah. so- we're so driven to the idea that we have to be making more constantly that there's just there's there's no there's like some weird concept it's like well why should someone at the top have to eat it and it's like because they're the ones who can afford to eat it yeah what are you talking about because they won't starve to death yeah Exactly. Uh, you know, they won't uh, sit and like their their feet won't rot off because they can't get insulin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for some reason, that just sounds like the worst thing in the world to some people. It's just it's really easy to think of other people as an abstract idea, you know. Um, and I, I think that's like the conservative mindset. It's all abstract. 
until you know it's somebody they know and then they just give them shitty advice and ignore it so um yeah i don't know if you go to church churches will give you like they, the other church people will help you but mm-hmm. um not much <laughs> yeah even then like most most charities or nonprofits run on some type of donation or government grants to begin with like most of those things are enabled some way through tax money anyways so like the idea of have of charities filling some type of weird void there's just no real evidence for it yeah the well, the claim the claim is that if you cut taxes people will have more money and they will then help each other more and that's not what happens at all yeah they just invested in more shitty retirement things that like feeds that machine that you know makes the the then the corporations have their companies gotta be worth more next year so all these people can retire yeah it's like it's like the whole system just has a gun to the back of its head you can always any it no one wants to sacrifice and no one wants to like make the effort to fix the problems because I think the problems don't. would cost money. Oh, that's fair. I mean, me as an individual, <laughs> that's me as an individual. Who cares? Uh, but I mean, you know, that I think that's part of it too. Is you look around and go like, well, what, what can anyone even do if they're not part of that uh, system that like. The people who have the power to do something are already doing it, and it's not helping us. And all the rest of us can do is kind of wait around and go, you know, complain on you know, mm-hmm. the internet and call people stupid. Like, so like, recently I got into it, Some recently some people got into it with me on my Facebook page about um, student loans. And People who, people who aren't being affected by student loans really don't understand what's wrong with them. Right. And that's very frustrating. But I think with this last person I talked to, I figured it out. I, figured, I think I figured out the problem, the disconnect between the right and the left, which is that the right is overselling the concept of personal responsibility to people. And there's and they're they're un, they're trying to sell any other messaging as being like an excuse to escape personal responsibility. Yeah. And so like when people say, but I shouldn't have to be part of the solution or they should have made those. They should have thought about these things before they took out the loan, which is the most like thanks hindsight it's tough because those people also have been promised their entire lives all you got to do is work hard and good things will happen and that's what they've been doing Mm -hmm. and so you know anytime yeah it, it just somehow they've done such a good job of of linking a billionaire to a guy that's been in a fact like if you take his shit, you'll come take mine next. And uh, yeah, that's 
that's it, it's it all just goes back to like the lies of the rich. Well, hey, if they tax me, they're gonna get all of you. And like they they don't see the big picture, which is the systemic problem it's going to create in the future. Like the problem with debt is that every. For every dollar of debt you have, that means that there's another dollar of productivity that can't be used to advance you personally as a person into our society. In the game of I'm going to have all the money, you have been set back by someone else owning your productivity before you've even done it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, it's, yeah, it just all depends on the level, mm -hmm. um, like, I know people that own businesses and stuff, and, like, I get it when they're, like, well, fuck, man, if they raise the minimum wage, like, I got a guy that's perfectly happy to do this for 14 bucks an hour, and then I gotta pay him more, and, like, I've only got the two employees, and, you know, like, it. But that's that's all because of that same thing where they they've just made these people believe like so hard that they're the same thing as a billionaire, that their rights are intrinsically tied to a billionaire's rights. And and they're so not because we yeah don't, they they don't have to be. We don't seem to understand that the more money a person has, the more freedom they can operate with in society. Yeah. I also, I don't know, because they'll go like, well, then Coca-Cola's going to leave America. And, and do what? Where the fuck are they going to go? <laughs> they'll just abandon a market of over three, of over 300 million people or something. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. And if they do, fuck them. Wait, <laughs> how long did human, humanity live without Coca-Cola? Yeah. Plus, like, the other thing is like... Republicans are all like, oh, the markets, but then like never want to associate how markets work with reality. Yeah, like, it does whatever it wants anyways. It's yeah. an attitude. <laughs> like, like if Coca-Cola decided to leave America, what would happen is Americans would find another brand of soda to drink. And then yeah. that company would get to get big again inside America. Or or it could be ten different companies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows how much the market share will break up? But the we point is, it will. More soda diversity. Yes, the big three have dominated it for too long. <laughs> you got your Coke, your Pepsi, and then your runner-up, the Seven Up Dr Pepper Company, Who also and make then, a uh, the little guy, the Image Comics of Soda, uh, RC Cola. Who actually, they're part of the uh, 7-Up Dr. Pepper company. Oh, are they the same thing? Yep. They, they're, they're the same company. Uh, which, I actually like RC Cola. <laughs> so I, I read somewhere a long time ago, and who knows if anything's true anymore, uh, but I read somewhere a long time ago that apparently RC Cola actually wins most blind taste tests when it's included. But Pepsi and uh, Coke don't care because they're not 
they don't consider themselves direct competitors with RC Cola. Oh yeah, no, they're in a whole other, whole other league. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Coke is pretty much. It's almost like we have a first place, third place, first place, second place, third place of cola. That's it. That's another uh, lie of capitalism. You don't have to make the best thing. You just have to have the most marketing money. Mm-hmm. Not the market shit the best. Meritocracy, yo. But I guess I guess the argument could be is like. The, the problem is that the merit of advertising can outweigh the merit of reality. <laughs> which is, which is basically, the, which basically implies that the merit of lies can be as good as the merit of truth. <laughs> uh, which is bad. We were talking about Man of Steel. What do you, uh, so I, I, I think that movie would have been a lot more successful or with fans if he didn't break Zod's neck in the first. I movie. mean, I've heard a lot of complaints with the movie beyond breaking Zod's neck, um, which I don't. I will say that breaking Zod's neck probably created at least some backlash in a certain number of fans. Um, I will say that. So like I know thing, it's uh there is a a story from the eighties yeah kills off. I, I'm aware of that yeah he did I think what my my problem with Man of Steel is they came out of Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy and wanted they they want to everyone to be Batman they they put Nolan on as a executive producer and and muted the colors and. You know all that stuff, and and Superman's not Batman. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Apparently, the muted color thing has more to do with the fact that Zack Snyder wanted it to look a little bit like documentary footage. Um, that's an odd choice. <laughs> it is, although or, um, although I'm just glad he doesn't shoot things like Paul Greengrass, because uh, I would not watch that. I don't Paul, know who that is. Paul Greengrass. He directed the. Uh, he directed the uh, the Bourne movies. Okay. Like the Bourne, like from all of them except the first and the one with Jeremy Renner. Hmm. Um, and like, so he's kind of popular, and he's known for that style of directing things. Like they look like documentary footage okay and like i will say i prefer the way that Zack snyder does it does it because because like paul greengrass's camera just will not stand still at any point like it just i i've only seen yeah it's I've that only, real close-up action yeah i've only seen his camera. second born movie like that was where i checked out of that franchise i was like no. Yeah, I don't. I don't love shaky cam fight. Uh, yeah, fight scenes. Not a fan. Uh, I don't. Um, I I I honestly uh, I I liked Man of Steel enough. I defended it when it came out, but I 
I do wonder if Zack Snyder um, has seen a Superman movie before. <laughs> I mean, so so I do so I do think the interesting thing about Man of Steel is that Man of Steel is like in a way like artistically reactionary um, because what sort of happened well two things I think led to Man of Steel Um, well I guess technically three like it's first they did Superman Returns and the the basic fan response to Superman Returns was this is too much like the Christopher Reeves movies and then they were like okay part about it (laughs) I so, like, when I saw it, I actually did... I liked Superman Returns, although I will admit it is... It is... Um, it does feel long. It's very long. It, yeah. And it's not necessarily paced... Because, like, like, I've seen... I think the casting... Uh, the casting and the acting are great. Mm-hmm. I think Kevin Spacey for uh, movie Lex Luthor is... Uh, it's it's the Gene Hackman mm-hmm. Lex Luthor is what exactly what he's doing. Yeah, um, I I thought you know I did like Kevin Sp- Kevin Spacey, who was, <laughs> was canceled. Uh, it is did do a good job as Lex Luthor. I would actually say I think he did a better job than Gene Hackman. Um, I think he he was channeling that same take. Oh no, he totally was. Um. But he like looks more. He looks and moves more like how one would expect uh, Lex Luthor to to look and move. Do you know if uh, was Lex at at the point so seventy nine was Lex in the comics already a bald or was oh, he yeah. still like a, a ginger? So the ginger thing is interesting because the ginger thing was from the Golden Age from Superboy. And, yeah, and Superboy. Um, in his first appearances in the comics, he was uh, like a skinny ginger guy. And essentially what happened was is that the guy who did the newspaper strip uh, was a different artist. And he got a script and he got pictures of what the characters were supposed to look like. And he thought Lex Luthor was the bald henchman character. And so he drew Lex Luthor as the bald henchman instead and he drew the 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 ginger skinny guy as the henchman and that became the more popular take uh after that point which is which is interesting and so like i mean it makes sense yeah it's been written and so his hair loss has been written into many storylines afterwards (laughs) Yeah, so, there's always some experiment with kryptonite or something. Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was just curious because the Gene Hackman's not bald. In the, uh, yes, he refused He refused to be portrayed as bald. Okay, so that was just an actor thing. That was an actor thing. Although, in the, I, so I rewatched, uh, I rewatched all the Christopher Reeves movies recently. And um, there is actually a scene in the first one uh, that implies that he is bald. Um, you, you never see him bald, but there's a scene where his like henchman is cleaning his wigs. Oh. Um, okay. So, which is interesting. I, I was gonna say because if they made those right now, you would have nine thousand angry white dudes online screaming about why isn't Lex bald? Yeah, that's uh, true. What the fuck, Gene Hackman sucks. 
He won't even <laughs> shave his head for this role. He's getting paid millions of dollars. Yeah, you're you are <laughs> you're hundred percent correct. They're just this is part of the the quote people with hair agenda. <laughs> <laughs> They're erasing bald men. A hundred percent. Uh, I do. I don't. Um, so when Man of Steel came out, I know that that was a lot of people were reacting to the contrast of like how much he's not Christopher Reeves. Yeah, I don't think those movies hold up as well as people believe they do. Oh, the Christopher Reeves movies—they do not. No, they're they're not great. So, uh, like the the first one is actually kind of interesting because it's like almost a slow jam superhero movie. Like the first, the first Superman movie is more of a slow character piece with like these long segments of like, like introspective landscape shots. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And then think, like they just I like to make them campier as they go on. Yeah, it, the first two are are pretty good. Um, I don't think they're as definitive and and. Uh, like impossible to um to remake or or you know to do it again but i they're very good i do like that they did them as period pieces of like they're very 1930s superman like the schuster cartoons or the um uh, except no one's dressed like it's the 30s i i think they do though the court Kent um has like his uh fedora and and suit and stuff they're, they're dressed like a, a newspaper man. i guess um, i mean that's true that's true but like other characters in like it's clearly they were clearly made in the years that they take place i mean they take place in the years that they were made just based on like the technology levels yeah yeah in the um and the fashion uh and, yeah. on the street like with extras and things true uh did you... Yeah, I guess it's more the the take on Superman himself is very 1930s. That's uh, fair. It has the feel of, of the same, like those old, um, I can't remember, Have... Fleischer? Yeah, Max Fleischer. Fleischer yeah. yeah. Have you seen the uh, the Richard Donner cut of, Man is, of uh, Superman 2? I haven't. Uh, it uses a lot of footage like combines a lot of footage from the first two doesn't it well i mean the f- well kind of um they shot superman them all at 2, once. yeah superman 2 was largely shot at the same time um although they they fired richard donner and replaced him with richard lester um specifically to make it funnier um apparently they considered richard donner's first movie to be kind of slow and too serious um, although, which is kind of ridiculous because right. it, still it, was... has that, it still has that scene where they go back in time by by reversing the Earth's axis, which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, that is actually the that was the thing that was hardest for me to watch when I rewatched them is just like the blatant disregard for science <laughs> throughout throughout the movies. Like to be fair, it is exactly the type of shit Golden Age Superman would pull off. I, I uh, guess, but yeah. I remember uh, a point where he just pushed Earth out of the way of something and then put it back. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it is pretty golden age like that. But, uh, like, there's just so many parts. 
Superman, Man of Steel kind of is a remake of Superman 2, though. Uh, oh, that's another thing. People don't look back on those movies and realize, like, this number of problematic elements to, like, Superman 2 that people don't, like, want to talk about. <laughs> like, everyone gets mad that uh, Henry Cavill, like, uh, crucified that uh, sexual assaulter's truck in uh, in Man of Steel. Um, like, like, he destroyed oh, yeah. livelihood. It's like, he was sexually harassing women in a bar. Right. <laughs> Not a good Well, person. in Superman 2, when he gets his powers back, he does that. That's what they're referencing in Man of Steel. Yeah. You know, he it's goes even back more... to that diner where those guys beat him up and, and wraps their truck around the thing. Well, he punches that. He punches a guy, and and he flies into a he he flies down a the like diner bar into a pinball machine. Oh yeah, yeah. And like the thing about that is though is that in Man of Steel, like it's very in the moment, but like in Superman two, he came back to do that. <laughs> he like resolved a bunch of shit, got his powers back, and was like, you know what? I'm gonna fly back, find that guy. And fuck up his day. Yeah. It's like, that That doesn't seem Superman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite, is it three when he separates, when Clark and Superman separate and have the, the fight in the junkyard? It is. It is. That's a great. <laughs> Actually, I will say that Superman 2 is overrated and Superman 3 is underrated. Is three uh, so four? Four's the one with Richard Pryor, right? No, three is, is the three one with Richard Pryor. Um, although okay. it's and it's just another real estate scam. No, um, actually, okay. So Superman three is is they have a character who's not Lex Luthor, but he's somehow more like Lex Luthor than Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor was. Oh, uh, that's right. I remember it just being Lex again, mm-hmm. but he had because he's doing the same thing, trying to drop California off. Isn't he? No, he um he creates a supercomputer um that is capable. Uh, wait, hold. What is it? Um. Oh, so Richard Pryor is a hacker who discovers how to do office space. Yeah, uh, that's literally what happened, and he steals a bunch of money from. Uh, this guy from this guy, and he's basically like, "Hey, I want you to do this at like a larger scale. Could you do that?" And he's like, "Oh, hey, I could do whatever you want if you build me a supercomputer." And so this guy builds him a supercomputer to like try and destroy the world's economy and take over all the machines. Uh, and so, uh. <laughs> And so he ends up doing that, and, like, the whole thing is that they have this supercomputer that just kind of tells them how to defeat Superman and stuff. Uh, and it's it's surprisingly entertaining, although it is also ridiculous also. <laughs> okay, like, and then 4 is the sun god thing. Yeah, yeah 4 is the one... 4 is the one where... Gene Hackman comes back and he clones Superman to make a uh, nuclear man. Yeah, yeah. Which I, in hindsight, I wish it were Bizarro. You know, they should have called him Bizarro. It would have made the movie better. Um, although that movie had really... Reeves also playing. 
that part. The interesting thing about that movie is it's just a direct, like, if you watch the first movie and the fourth movie, you can just see, like, the weird degradation of it. <laughs> uh, because, like, in the first movie, like, there's this, well, even though there's ridiculous things in it, it takes itself somewhat seriously. Yeah. And there's a scene early on where, like, the cops are trailing uh, Superman's henchmen. And... And the and the, they end up being triggering like a trap and getting murdered. Uh, the cops end up getting murdered when they fall into Lex Luthor's trap thing. It like pushes them in front of a, a a speeding train. But in Superman in Superman four, Lex Luthor's nephew comes to rescue him from a chain gang, and there's a sequence where he like blows up the uh, I think he blows up or hits them with his car or something. These oh wait that's right he tricks. The, the the cops the the guards into getting in his car and then remote controls it over into a quarry where it explodes but the thing is those cops survive like we see them crawling out of out of the oh yeah afterwards. they do like the gi joe and it's uh, like crawling away thing yeah no so it's just like okay so they've they they've slowly we've gotten to this point of ridiculousness where it's a cartoon where no one dies that's that's the that's the that's the final grade there when you start lying to people about yeah. whether or not they'd survive. Well, you know, if they had done that in BBS, uh, just showed those people that Batfleck wrecked crawling away, uh, people would have been much happier with, with that movie. What's so something something someone pointed out later was that some of those people actually definitely did survive. Like one of them show like a couple of them sh- show up back at like the scene where they regroup at the uh at like the final stop for the kryptonite or whatever. Yeah. And um it, in Zack Snyder's Justice League though, like you can you can see all the soldiers jump out of the cars before Superman blows them up. Uh, well, I'm sure he, after he uh, got feedback on Man of Steel, he was like, all right, fuck. <laughs> yeah. No more killing. I do think it's uh, it's a very important part of a character that is, uh, but it hasn't been a thing in any of the movies. Uh, even, you know, Michael Keaton is, strapping bombs to people and shit yeah no michael keaton did kill a bunch of people which uh people that's a that i rewatched those too and like michael michael keaton and tim burton's batman movies are cool but like more because they're tim burton if that makes sense yeah like also not i mean it's hard because there's 80 plus years of batman to look at Mm-hmm. So you could make a case for any of them, but I, for me, I want uh, a Neil Adams Batman movie. I want a blue and gray suit. I want Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Have you have you seen the uh, have you seen uh, the new Batman movie? Yeah, I think it's it's much closer to modern Batman comics. Um, it's a it's much more of a like you were saying about Superman one. It's 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 a lot more of a character 
uh, piece than an action superhero movie. True. Yeah. No, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think I like how it addresses like uh, cultural things. I uh, I do think it's weird how everybody was like, oh no, it's it's like it's like seven. It's like the only part of it being like seven is the fact that he meant to get caught. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you gotta you gotta. Uh, you got a serial killer with Zodiac stuff going on. People like, I don't know. I think there's some portion of the population that needs like a comparison thing to like get things. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's like the old, the elevator pitch kind of thing. Like yeah. It's, it's like this meets that. Yeah. I do think it would have been better if uh, he got to there instead of, uh, flooding the city he had Catwoman's head in the box <laughs> so I what's in the box <laughs> I will say okay so that was one of my favorite things in the movie though was that um, I really felt like they nailed the Batman Catwoman like sexual tension dynamic yeah like I was very I was like like even the moment where they like ride out at the end I was like yeah, that's what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Which I also uh, thought it was funny that, like, the first footage that ever leaked of this movie is also that final sequence. Was it, uh, I, I remember it being a uh, stunt guy in the costume on a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was that, it was that, it was that final them driving away that was filmed. That was the first like big leak of it. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. I uh, I am I'm uh, tired of watching Batman learn to beat Batman. Though. That's fair. That's I fair. want uh, Jesus H. Batman like thirty three, and and he, he already knows what's up. He's so the like Joker half a dozen times. So, like, that was kind of, the, like, even though it is, I did think it was kind of, like, overindulgent, I did, that was one thing I enjoyed about the uh, the Joker-Batman, a scene in uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, was that, um, as someone who reads the comics, I'm used to, like, seeing, like, the old Joker versus old Batman, like, dynamic. Yeah, they are already... They have a history and everything. But we haven't really gotten to see much of that on film, so I kind of liked that. Yeah, even uh, the Tim Burton one, he's already Batman, but he's just now meeting the Joker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't like, I have no idea what Keaton Batman is even doing before that. Um, he's still an urban legend in the newspaper. Stuff. So it's still pretty early. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the things I like about the first Tim Burton Batman movie is that we a thing I didn't realize until I rewatched it recently was that you the audience's perspective is kind of with Vicky Vale for the movie. Yeah, like, at least the first half. Yeah. Yeah, we like learn about Batman through her eyes, which is kind of cool, especially since Tim Burton. Uh, not Tim Burton. Uh, Michael Keaton as Bat. Michael. People. People don't remember how crazy he is as Batman. Yeah, he's a. I don't. I don't. I don't. I. 
is it nostalgia? Because I don't. I, I think of Keaton as like he was fine. He was a, a fine Batman. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't look at it like that's the only that you know that's the only Batman or like I I don't know he was a Batman uh, it was fine yeah. yeah I like I mean I think Michael Keaton's a good actor um, but like they made some really interesting choices in those movies like he is clearly the craziest of all Batman yeah like, I well you remember he's hanging upside down like mm-hmm. he sleeps upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like and like a major theme of Batman Returns is an is the idea that um Batman and Catwoman have like split personality disorders. Yeah. Like Yeah, it's always and even in the Schumacher one, it's mm-hmm. always him choosing he's got to choose uh Chase Meridian or or his partner Robin. Like, mhm between the uh, personalities like um it, it is actually an interesting because it actually is one of the things that's carried through from the tim burton movie into uh batman forever is that batman's still struggling with the concept of his dual identity yeah um batman forever batman forever is okay i think I, you have to watch those like you would watch adam west that's fair although like my my biggest problem with them is though that the Joe Schumacher movies did not age visually well. Yeah, like, they're a little rough. Too. <laughs> uh, like specifically, Forever is like the city is largely CGI and neon. Yeah, and it's it's hard to look at sometimes. Like I'll just yeah. be like, oh, like. But I do think it's uh, it's you, if you watch them. And just forget Michael Keaton altogether. Yeah. Uh, they're more of an extension of... Uh, uh, in the multiverse, they're like three, three places over from Adam West. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a lot closer to that timeline than uh, Michael Keaton. That is what it feels like. Especially with Batman, Batman and Robin, uh, where the director has admitted that it was largely a toy commercial. Yeah. Um, I will say, if anyone understood that movie, though, it was probably Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, <laughs> he's doing exactly what he should be. Mm-hmm. He's getting paid the most money to be there. Yeah. Actually, I'm aware of like two two movies where he basically milked the studio. Apparently, like... <clears throat> For both Terminator 3 and Batman and Robin were just situations where he was like, well, I'm just going to ask them for as much money as I... Th- I'm just going to ask them for an outrageous amount of money, and if they say yes, I'll do it. It's uh, saying no with a price. <laughs> yeah. And that is actually what he said he did for uh, Terminator 3. I do that with uh, with, with comedy gigs. If I don't, oh, yeah. I'm not really into it, I'll be like, I don't know, 800 <laughs> or whatever. And, uh, you know, I always go over what they are offering or their budget. And if, if they don't come to it, then I don't do it. I, wasn't, I didn't want to anyway. So. Has anyone ever said yes to something outrageous? No, not so <laughs> far. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> Absolutely not. 
<laughs> uh, they barely say yes to reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But, yeah, there's a... Uh, the one I came closest to, I uh, I was hired, technically hired, or promised uh, there was a, a marijuana expo about four years ago, and they wanted a host for the whole day. Uh, and I, I put a bid in, and they accepted it, and then Crazy Bob decided he wanted to host the marijuana expo, uh, so they gave him, I assume, way more money. And and he took my uh my gig. I'm sorry. Who did you say stole your gig? Uh, uh, Busy Bone or Crazy Bone? One of the Bone Thugs and Harmony guys. Oh. Uh. So, yeah, they decided wow. they were gonna host. And uh, yeah. Hosting stuff is weird gigs, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I, it's not fun. I I once got a I once got a gig to uh to like kill time while the judges of a costume contest at Akron Comic-Con deliberated to choose a winner. <laughs> Which that was an interesting one. I I don't think it was the same thing. I know I've I've done stand up during deliberation. Uh maybe maybe it was just a contest, comedy contest or something. But yeah, like, that's an awkward mm. situation. Do you remember have you so like that brings me back to this so like what do you think about all the hysteria around doing comedy on college campuses like like comedians like came out like really hard about it and like i will say that i do think it's fucked up for colleges to ever discriminate against people for doing comedy that wasn't as part of their audition uh i will say at the same time like but that's kind of, like corporate gigs kind of do the same shit though. Like college campuses are corporate gigs. I'm not surprised that college- they are technically, but I do understand the idea that like a college is supposed to be like a free speech zone. Mm-hmm. I just think people are very confused about what free speech entails. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I. I don't know. I don't think that I. Uh, I don't appeal to college students, uh, so I don't really care. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know that was like Steinfeld was complaining yeah. about it. Chris Rock, and it's like, well, why are these billionaires doing college gigs anyway? That was kind of my reaction to it too. <laughs> like. Seinfeld, are you sure it's not just that your primary audience is middle-aged white people? Yeah. They didn't laugh. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, uh, like, Dane Cook came up on, uh, like, college uh, gigs, I think. That would make sense. He was huge with college gigs. Apparently that's Um, also what Carrot Top did. I think it's also, like, just depends on the college. Because I don't, I think you're probably, if you go to Oberlin, like, they're going to be a bunch of assholes. They don't have a sense of humor up there, so... Hey, hey. I want to... Oberlin. Oberlin doesn't have a sense of humor. I will That's defend... That's what I understand. Uh, I will defend Oberlin. I, uh... Because they have the... They host the uh, Oberlin Improv Conference. 
so I don't know. I don't know what stand-ups like in around Oberlin. But I, I've never had any problems with their their improv scene. Uh, it seems anytime there's a big uh, war on stand-up comedy, it's, it's originating in Oberlin. Really? Uh, my uh, my roommate Steve Merz, I'll give him credit. Calls it uh, Hogwarts for cunts. <laughs> That's really weird to me, because I, I've 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 seen their stand-up comedy, and they. They're not, they're not not edgy. Uh, you mean at Oberlin? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I know that there was some guy. Uh, he was doing. Uh, he called it reverse heckling activism, where he was like uh, this Oberlin student who got very offended in an improv class where uh, someone called him nine eleven beard, uh, and he got real mad. They called him what? They called him nine. They they were doing a scene and they they said, "Hey, uh, nine eleven beard." Uh, They were. It was like a scene where they were not allowed to use names or like they had to come up with descriptors or whatever. Uh, And he got like so fucking mad, like you're calling me a terrorist. And uh, he went and started heckling people at open mics uh, and screaming that. uh, comedy is violence. Jesus. Uh, and it's there was like a whole yeah, it was a whole thing. Um, insults are violence. Um, so I don't know. I run a roast show, so I don't. <laughs> as much as I uh, think people are being ridiculous, I also like uh, don't apologize much. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but also, I know my intent, so. I, that is a big part of it. That's the hard part, though. Yeah. Like. So, like, yeah, with a roast, with a roast, you kind of have to, you kind of, with roasting, you kind of have to just go with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and we don't uh, go out of our way to to be. Uh, we we only go out of our way to be funny. Um. If that, you know, is uh, calling uh, my friend Tabitha a dumb whore, then <laughs> that's what happens now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, you know, it's roasting. Yeah. It's, it's a different thing. Uh, I will say that we have um, a, a lot of the feedback for our show is that, that people are very comfortable there. Um, and I mean... Uh, people that are usually you know are offended uh or feel unsafe um at shows with a lot of male that kind of thing um no i hear you man yeah so uh that is what uh jeremy tells me is the feedback he's gotten so that's That's cool yeah Jeremy is another person who I kind of know, and he's he seems like a cool dude. I was at a uh, yeah, he's a cool fat dude. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't know. I was at uh, I was at the electric uh, pressure cooker, and uh, he didn't so much do comedy when I saw him there last, but uh, 
I thought what he had to say was really uh Yeah, he doesn't so much do comedy ever. <laughs> uh I'm kidding. Um Yeah, he's uh for six years. He goes up at the end of the show and he, he roasts everyone who's touched the microphone uh <laughs> during the, the roast battles and stuff. I mean that—that that is part of it. Is that you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go up there and roast people, you you should be prepared to be roasted. Yeah, uh, he gets off easy sometimes because he's at the end. People don't realize uh, that he's a target. So, but that is the going last. We make him feel bad enough about himself on the podcast and stuff. So. Oh, what's your podcast called? Uh, Ad hominem radio. Ad That's brain. what we're calling it now. It's we had uh, it was the Ad Hominem Attack Show podcast, uh, but we we changed it. So. All righty. Oh yeah, got anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, I, I think that's it. We have uh, the roast battles are. Um, we're working on a uh, tournament for the summer. Uh, and some stuff. We'll have announcements about that pretty soon. Uh, we just all, we all four have to be uh, having good mental health days to get our shit together uh, to plan the next uh, six months of shows. So, um, if anything, I guess just keep, check out the, uh, we have a Facebook uh, fan page and stuff. We'll be making announcements there. That's cool. I might have to, I'll have to come check that out sometime. There's a part of, like, there's a, there's a dark side of me that would, that occasionally, like, hey, it'd be cool to do a roast thing sometime. But I... Yeah, it's all in fun. Um, I, I don't know that, if anyone's, like, really had their feelings hurt, uh, I haven't heard about it. Um, there's been one or two things where it's, like, someone's mentioned things that other people didn't want mentioned publicly Uh, but that's always been sort of by accident Uh, the couple of times it's come up and Mm. it's ironed out Um, other than that yeah it's jokes we're all just writing jokes and having fun nice it always looks roast battles roast battles and roasts and things always look fun on the TV they are. They're, it's a lot of fun. Um, we've been doing it for six years. Um, we are uh, home base at the Odeon uh, up here in Cleveland now. So, have, have you ever seen the clip of? Have you ever seen um, the? I don't think it's necessarily a great great roast show, but it has one amazing moment. Have you ever seen? Um, Gary Busey roast Larry the Cable Guy. I no, I haven't seen that. <laughs> it's a hard clip to find, but if you ever do, I recommend it. Gary Busey does it. a surprisingly good job of roasting everyone, including himself. Nice. He does actually take the time to roast himself, as if he has forgotten that he is Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how much time you you had on your plate today, but uh, I do want to thank you for coming on my podcast. 
No problem. Yeah. Uh, I was right. You are a fun person to talk to. Hey. We have similar <laughs> we have similar veins of interest, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Superheroes uh, and politics. <laughs> yeah, I do love Batman you. and comedy. Batman and comedy. Comedy. It's all Batman and butt stuff. I do love Batman. <laughs> And the Justice League and all the all that all that stuff. Oh, I saw I saw the uh I saw Doctor Strange the other day. What, oh yeah. Yeah, I've uh I found it online. I've watched it like four times. Oh yeah? Yeah. So what do you think of it? I it's a I I really enjoyed it. I uh I love that uh Sam Raimi just was like, you know what? I'm just gonna make an evil dead movie with these characters. Uh, because if you you know if you think of uh, Strange as Bruce Campbell and uh, Wanda as like just you know any other witch that I possessed witch, um, I don't know man. Fuck, it's a Sam Raimi movie where this uh, broad gets possessed by a book, an evil book, and then uh, yeah, no, I was thinking about that. That there's an evil evil magic book is the major. Made your crux of the movie. Yeah, I uh, in my mind, since Ash uh, has fought the Marvel zombies in the comics, I think the Evil Dead universe is a Marvel uh, multiverse universe, and yeah, so I, uh, the Darkhold is probably a variant of the Necromolicon. Makes sense. I thought it was fine. No. Uh, not blown away or anything i mean honestly i was kind of underwhelmed um like so like there's not i didn't like everything was just fine like american chavez is more plot more mcguffin than a full character and i like the whole thing with dr strange like i don't know how i felt about what he learned or what his lesson even was like, did he learn to let go of this woman who was never going to be with him? I think so. They they brought his new wife in at the very end. I uh, will say, I did not know who she was supposed to be. That's good to know. I'm glad I yeah, know. He's, uh, she's more the Doctor Strange love interest in the comics than Christine ever was. The- uh, well, I like I like knowing that. But, like, my other thing with the movie is it just sort of, like... It has it. It's like almost entirely third act. I, I think that's good though because they both just came from second acts in other uh, stuff. I mean, I don't. I think it's. I love that it just starts on action and just it just flows to the to the end. I mean, I will say there were some really cool action scenes in it. Um. I will say it is the least exciting of all the multiverse things I've seen recently. You know, I think the expectation was because it was announced so long ago that by the time we got to Multiverse of Madness, we'd be full on into the multiverse mm-hmm. storyline. And I think it's more of a, uh, it's still part of a setup. It's, it's more of a, let's get Elizabeth Olsen out of her contract. 
That's uh, <laughs> that's kind I of think how, it's, uh, that was how the movie felt to me. <laughs> well, I do. I think the multiverse of madness implies that this is like the big fucking uh, like multiverse story that we've been building to. Uh, now it's gonna kick off, and then it ended up being kind of more just introducing elements that they need for secret wars later. Yeah. Uh, with incursions and, and a version of the Illuminati, I'm sure we'll see more I, I versions just, of that. I just would have liked a little bit more... Like, the the way it was paced is... So, like, I would, do, I would compare it kind of to Mad Max Fury Road, where the movie just, like, kind of throws it all at you and it's just an extended chase scene. Yeah. But, like, I kind of felt like Mad Max Fury Road was still kind of paced better, and, like, I still got... While it was still kind of a broad strokes character development, I kind of felt like it just... I don't know, it felt... it. it I just felt like the movie didn't give me that deeper sense of depth or connectivity. Yeah. Um, I think it's because with... with... Doctor Strange's character is introduced in his first movie as a rookie magic user. Mm-hmm. And then when you see him show up, I think in Thor and Ragnarok first, and then uh, Infinity War and Endgame, he's the Sorcerer Supreme. Like he's already like mm-hmm. uh, very good at magic by the time he starts showing up again. So you missed some of his failures in between his first one and, and Infinity War. Because uh, like, they needed him to immediately be the new Tony Stark. After those. I w- so that makes that makes it feel to me like they did him kind of like they did the Incredible Hulk, which is always, which has always been my greatest disappointment with the MCU. It's just... Yeah, it's not, uh, not the move, not the specific Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton. I actually like that. I just, I feel like all of his development is like a C plot mm-hmm. in the, the bigger team team up stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that. That kind of like we we'll just jump around to like things that are so like. I think what it is the biggest thing is that it. They they pushed it like it was the next event movie, especially mm-hmm. coming after uh, No Way Home, and it ended up being more um, like it feels all like all Act Three, but what they accomplished was like Act Two or whatever the next Secret Wars uh, thing is. Have you read uh, Hickman's? I have not read. I have not read Hickman's Secret Wars. All I know, so like Secret Wars, I don't even know what to expect from this series because they've used the title Secret Wars in the comics so many times for so many storylines. It's like ridiculous at this point because there's Secret Wars one, the Secret Wars two, then there was that other Secret Wars they did a few years ago, like in the early two thousands, where it was like painted covers and stuff, and then. and now we've got a new Secret Wars with Jonathan Hickman that I haven't read. So that one, in the context of the multiverse, uh, Secret Wars, and, and they mentioned incursions. It's a storyline where 
the Illuminati uh, are formed to uh, so there's like universes crashing into each other. Okay. And so once uh, an incursion starts, they have like eight hours to figure some shit out. And like either they they come up with all kinds of plans like phasing Earth. Or like Earth is the nexus point of uh, um, incursion. Uh, which is like the barrier between universes breaks down and then they crash into each other and everyone dies. Or if you're the Illuminati, you destroy the other universe before it crashes into yours. Uh, and that's like the big debate is if they have a right to destroy these other realities. Um, and then like Doom and, and Reed Richards are like a huge like big part of it and stuff. And mm-hmm. There's like the multiverse council of, of Reeds, mm-hmm. which is like... Uh, all the different versions of Reed Richards have like a base on one of the moons or some shit. So it's, yeah, it, they set up a lot of cool shit in just by, just by having, uh, Reed Richards say the words incursion. Uh, that was, yeah. I, if that's the only thing that movie accomplishes, they just set up 10 years worth of, uh, events and shit. Okay, well that's good to know. that's good to know. Uh, I will. So, the other thing I will say is that I was kind of underwhelmed by like the cameos. Yeah. Like, like we I knew I knew Professor X was going to be in it, and I was excited about that. I think the lack of a multiverse Tony Stark is weird, and. Uh, like, they didn't even really address him, but the Ultron units are there. Although, to be fair, Hank Pym in some universes creates Ultron. Uh, uh, I'm, in my mind, uh, I just think that their Tony Stark also died. After, probably. Uh, after creating the Ultron uh, robots and shit. Um, but, like... Like... I don't know. I had mixed feelings about John Krasinski as Reed Richards. Yeah. It's, uh, people have wanted it forever. And I, I don't quite understand why, but I thought he was, I thought it was good. I think he could be good in, if the movie's good, I think he mm-hmm. would be fine. Um, and I think it also depends on who the other three are that he's playing off of. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. I I don't know. I'm not a big John Krasinski guy. Yeah. Like, I have very mixed feelings on him as a... He as a does Jim Halpert very well, and I don't know that he does other things as well yet. So, mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in much else. That's fair. And this may just be a personal thing, but Jim Halpert is not anyone I would want to be trapped in an uh, elevator with. <laughs> I know there's uh, a uh, Jim Halpert's a psycho uh, theories online and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it just depends on what that movie is. True. 
But I, also, if they do the Council of Reeds, there's they're going to be casting twenty different because they all. Um, I know they they you know in Loki they establish variants who can or or cannot look like the same person. So, yeah. Uh, I, if he plays just one of the Reed Richards, mm-hmm. that might be cool too. True. I, <laughs> I oh that was the other thing that kind of annoyed me is that they they designated the MCU as 616. And I was just like, really? You're going to give it the comic books designation? What it, what, does yeah. that make, what does that make the comic book universe's designation? You're not going to tell me. I think me it's, uh, I, I'm just picturing it as a uh, different set of uh, multiverse. Mm-hmm. I know if like I know it's DC, but like Grant Morrison set up this idea of an omniverse, which is a collection yeah. of multiverses. Yeah, I have that book. So uh, I just think of it that way. That's the uh, because it's the sacred, the main timeline in the movie in live action. I guess uh, that makes sense. Like it's the same, the main timeline in the comic. The Iron Man timeline. <laughs> Uh, but I do I mean just mentioning the Baxter Foundation uh, they called it the Foundation which implies more of like the future Foundation storyline yeah Um. so I think they they dropped a lot of cool shit in it that they're gonna use hopefully use later they don't usually do that stuff by accident or without intent that's fair. I, so, like, maybe part of it, though, maybe part of my, like, underwhelming has also to do with everything else they've already done with the multiverse so far. Like, like What If had a lot with the multiverse, and and Loki was had a lot, and even Spider-Man No Way Home, where it just, it kind of felt like this should have been, I don't know, it, made... it should have been the three-hour um, length that it was two years ago when they announced the length and included more more universes. And, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was like a that. disappointing number of universes they visited. Yeah. I mean, they showed like 20 of them just in passing. Yeah. But they, they only went to two mm-hmm. outside of the main one. Yeah, um, yeah, they yeah it 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 implies a lot more universes mm-hmm. uh, with the title, but I think they were going for that mom M O M with Wanda and then releasing it on Mother's Day. Oh, they did do that, didn't they? Mother's Day weekend. I hadn't thought yeah. about that. That's that's actually some of the most hilarious timing I've seen since. They moved Batman versus Superman to Good Friday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I'm hoping that this next Thor movie is a multiverse thing. I mean, if they're introducing another version of Thor, uh, yeah, with Natalie Portman right after a multiverse thing, I'm hoping that the next incursion is happening in Thor. I don't know. It's like. The thing about it is that it she has his broken hammer somehow. 
So I think it's from the same universe. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I it seems really like a really odd choice to me to introduce this other this Jane Foster for and and during all this multiverse shit and her not be from another like Sylvie's universe from Loki. Yeah, like it. I, I haven't. I don't feel like I've seen enough of the film to really make a real decision about how I feel about it, or how, how much I'm anticipating or not anticipating it. But I'm getting a real like this is a retirement film. Like it seems that way, but like Hemsworth we're gonna is... put him to bed, and it's gonna be Natalie Portman in the next one or something. I hope not. Um... Just because Hems, I mean, he's been there from the beginning, and, and he's the only one that has publicly been like, "I'll fucking play Thor for the rest of my life." Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the other guys all they all want to leave and do artsy shit or whatever they do. Um, I don't know, man. I would totally just be Thor for the rest of my fucking life if I had the opportunity. Well. We'll find out in July. Yeah. Uh, you're going to pay me what? I'll do it 20 times. I mean, it's clear that at some point they either want to get these actors off their contracts or they or the actors are get tired of it at some point. Because apparently, apparently Elizabeth Olsen is like, been commenting in some recent interviews about her frustration with contracts and like how they work i you know i think i read some of that and it seems like one of those situations where these comic book news outlets they run into like an elizabeth olsen and they go hey are you frustrated that you're only doing mcu movies and she'll be like yeah i guess a little and then they go like elizabeth olsen hates doing mcu movies yeah, you're uh, right. That does sound like comic book media. Uh, I think that's how most of those articles happen. Oh yeah. What do you What do you think of this? Have and you... then they don't know what to say. They just go, I don't know. Whatever fucking Ethan Hawke said. Or they and take they... like weird, or they take like weird info from people who aren't trustworthy. Or they'll like yeah. exemplify the so like actually just today I saw like body cam footage of the police like questioning Ezra Miller after one of his after one of his recent incidents yeah and like they like somebody questions him as to why he's filming or something and like he he says he's it sounds like a joke or like some type of sarcastic comment uh, I mean sorry they um they Ezra Miller say um that uh that they're filming it for they're filming the incidents to make NFTs out of. And, like, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a serious comment. But, like, I've seen numerous articles and, and YouTube vloggers make posts about it. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think that was, at any point, one of the important things from that video. Right. Yeah, but they, they will just pick whatever right shit about it. Mm-hmm. I think most of that, uh, when you hear like uh, Scorsese's talking shit about Marvel films, somebody asked him the question, mm-hmm. and he's an old grumpy 
know, yeah, fucking mafia movie director. Absolutely. It's not like what did they expect? He was going to sit there and go like, "Oh, I, you know, Iron Man is the, it's exactly the same as The Godfather." I don't know what these kids are talking about these days. Uh, Back in my day, we made movies about criminals. Yeah, not heroes. And uh, oh, that was another ridiculous thing that happened. Is um, some uh, some like internet like guy? I think his name is Umberto Gonzalez. Recently, was uh, made the claim online that uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League shouldn't have won the cheer won the cheer moment at the Oscars because of bots voting, and uh, the the Academy Awards had to come out and be like, no, it's not what happened. We're, how dare you? And the thing that's funny is that Umberto Gonzalez is just one of those people who made, who made a big part of his thing, like saying the Snyder Cut on, would never happen online. Right. It's just, uh, they're all, it's, the world's just full of grifters. It does seem, doesn't it seem like the Snyder, um, like the hardcore Snyder people are very, like the comics are a lot of comic gate type people. Well, I, I've... Do you I, say I, there's I, a lot of crossover there? I'm sorry, with what? With uh, like the comics gate crowd I would say Snyder no. Fans. Um, not from what I've seen. Um, most of the people, like, a lot of people in the Snyder community make fun of, uh, Ethan Van Shriver, um, uh, partly because, like, it's, so, like, the thing is, the but Snyder, they're I, so mad about Sparkly Batman, too. Oh, no, like, that is, that, like, there are definitely people in the Snyder community who are being ridiculous about the Batman, uh, I, I, I will definitely say I've seen plenty of that. But there's also lots of Snyder fans who like the new Batman movie. Yeah. It's... So, like, a bit... The Snyder community does have a huge problem. And I think it stems from the fact that the Snyder... The, the, the DC... It's a fandom that got their way. Well, it's not, it's not just that. <laughs> it's that they're a fandom that was developed through defensiveness like it is a fandom that came together through the fact that they felt like and frequently do always feel like they have to defend their right to be fans of this thing and so like there's a lot of like warner brothers made Zack snyder a martyr is what happened they Warner Brothers. It is very strange that what they did with all of that, they the footage that they had available to them mm-hmm. and what they put out is I I don't even it's like who who thought that was the way to go? Like <laughs> and I don't even like uh, Joss Whedon every like his problematic shit aside like it's not like he's a bad filmmaker he's okay he made the fuck out of avengers and uh i i like 
Age of Ultron just as much. I know that's a... That is a controversial statement, and I will say that I actually think Age of Ultron has a better story than the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. I, if I if I were to fault that movie for anything, it is probably the most obnoxiously quippy one. It's like, full of weedonism. Yeah. yeah, and like how much, like I do, like how much you get out of that will depend on how you feel about weedonisms. <laughs> yeah, I see. I I always I like Buffy. I like Joss quite a bit until like you find out all this yeah. weird shit was going on. Um. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I like his writing. Uh, if he writes good dialogue, um, snappy people enjoy it. I think he probably would have made a good Batgirl movie uh, if that had worked out differently. Maybe I don't know. Have you ever read any of the excerpts from his Wonder Woman script? No, it's not good. Uh, like. Um, yeah, I do also think that those things are just assumed because he was good at uh, Buffy with, you know, strong female character and stuff. But mm. now when you realize that that was uh, cognitive dissonance situation. Yeah. Oh, did it cut out there? I can't... Uh, no. Oh, yeah. okay. The, uh... Yeah, no, I, I've never been a big Joss Whedon person. Um, I will say that I, I enjoy, I actually did enjoy Age of Ultron. I think it, I don't like anything he did with Hulk in either movie, if I'm being mm. honest. Yeah. Um, but there were dirt, certainly things in both the Avengers and Age of Ultron that I thought were good. Um, and I, I, I will say, I do think Age of Ultron has a better story than the first Avengers movie, which I think is kind of, um, it's a fun movie, but it's kind of, doesn't really have much of a story or plot to it. And like, I, uh, I Ultron? Think, no, no, Ultron, I think has a better story. Uh, yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I just think the characterization of Loki is very weak and it, and like, just not a lot is really going on in it. I, and weirdly at the same time, he's, Loki is at that point, the most developed, uh, yeah, but almost all of that happens in Thor. But I think that that's, see, I don't mind that because that's like the advantage of doing a shared universe like that. I mean, that's true. The development can carry over. You can like with, with the new Dr. Strange, we already know Wanda. We know Strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to spend, you know, Act One understanding who they are. I mean, that's fair, but like, they should still have some type of like. So the thing is, it felt like I was watching the third act of Wanda's story, and yeah. like, it didn't really. <sighs> but I think it's as much that as it is. The second part of Strange's art, art, if you just go as a trilogy. I mean, I guess, I just didn't really, I really didn't feel there was a lot, it didn't feel like, it felt like I was only getting part of Strange's arc. Like, specific to the movie itself. 
Like, I don't know. Like, it just... Yeah, I... It felt light on actual development for Strange. Also, I kind of felt like they were going... Strange is starting to feel like John Constantine to me. Like he's a ex machina type of... Like, like as in he's just sort of like getting more and more drawn into collecting magic and like losing his sense of like responsibility in the world. I think that's going somewhere though. Because I, 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 I would hope so, so far every problem he's run into is because of something he did or another version of him did. Um, that's uh. I think they're leading to him like getting seriously corrupted and, and um, probably dying. I would imagine Cumberbatch wants to leave too at some point. Yeah, I will say like that was one thing that concerned me a lot coming up to the movie is that like Cumberbatch like a lot of his comments about the film just made me go, "What?" But I do. Uh, I'll say too. I don't. I don't entirely get that criticism because when you look at it again there's four versions of him uh he's all over that movie i mean i mean um but uh, like the central kept but like the central doctor strange i don't know it just doesn't feel like there's a lot that really happens with him i don't i do agree he doesn't learn much because everything every time he does something risky it pays off. So I think hopefully in the third movie, that's where that's like it's building to something where he, you know, his arrogance is building every time. That'd be cool. Uh, Cause he is an arrogant character, which I think in this movie they played up to, uh, because that's how um, Sam Raimi directs uh, the hero, the, if he's if he's the uh, Ash stand-in in this one, that's probably Rainey's influence. What do you think about the Bruce Campbell cameo? I thought it was a good, uh, you know, reference to Evil Dead Two, <laughs> uh, where he beat himself up. It's over. It's finally over. I also like to think of him as an Ash variant. Uh, on Earth, APA Ash is a pizza ball salesman. Oh, now I'm hungry. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I should go eat something. But I want to thank you for, uh, for coming on my podcast, man. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, I hope that... Uh, Hope that uh, your your upcoming endeavors go excellently. Um, mm-hmm. I believe you said you had you had an endeavor today you were involved with. Or, um, but uh, I- we were going to record earlier, but we uh, we we did not. We do that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I understand. I understand. As 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 someone who as as someone whose uh, journey of comedy is definitely connected to their mental health journey. Uh, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's say goodbye to the people. Uh, Thank you for listening. Goodbye.
and uh, have a great uh, day.